Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your hosts, Vic Waitley and Marcus D. And apparently today we're practicing our spooky Batman voices. We're using our scary voices today. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. Welcome back to Talking with Shadows, and we're looking forward to this episode. Today's theme, we're talking about all sorts of weird stuff that has scales. I know, like it was, for most of our videos, we actually kind of know ahead of time the topics that we're going to talk about. But for this week's episode, Vic was like, let's just do scaly stuff. And I'm just like... That's it? Well, and I like talking about cryptids. I like cryptids with scales. I mean, we don't get to talk about them nearly enough. No, we don't. So this is a pretty open-ended topic. So I'm like, all right, all right. I think we can find some pretty good stuff to talk about with this. Plus, there's a lot of, like, weird reptile cryptids that there's not enough information out there to, like, really devote a whole episode to. But ah, I just really want to talk about them. I know. Like, there's so many other types of cryptids that are either winged or they're hairy and they get all this attention. But there's not enough... Focusing on the scaly stuff, like Bigfoot and Mothman get a lot of credit. There's some awesome cryptids, but there's other stuff out there. And today's black bag tip of the day is, don't worry about it. All the MIB are working from home, so as long as they don't call you into their office, and at that, just don't show up. So, <laughs> just I don't think we really need to be concerned about it. Just turn down the invite, they can't get you. Uh, we want to thank everybody, by the way, for all of the support that they have been giving us throughout us starting our podcasts thank you guys so much it means so much to us yeah. um so what we would love to do is uh, uh talk about some of the comments that actually uh, the people left on our last episode uh talking about the rendlesham forest so we would love to go over some of these so if you guys for those of you that maybe just tuned in or coming in one of the things that uh that came up during the uh during the episode was vic was concerned about why his cat his, oh, people yeah. respond to the cat mystery? Yeah, they were responding to the cat mystery of why your cat was vomiting this grass-like okay. substance. Okay, guys, my cat is terrified of the outdoors. She never goes outside, but yet somehow she puked up some grass, and I want to solve this mystery. <laughs> so what, what do we have? All right, so let's see. Barbara Contolano. I hope I said that right. She comments, by the way, on a lot of our stuff. Thank you very much, by the way, Barbara. I don't think that doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, she said, do you have any plants of any kind in the house? Also, Easter grass, maybe? No, we don't have any e Easter grass around. And the only uh, the only plants we have around are succulents. Uh, untrue. You do have some other weird grassy-looking stuff. Because both of us are really, really big into Warhammer 40k like miniatures <laughs> making stuff. So, Vic has a ton of fake grass in his house. Okay, it was definitely not flocking that you use on bases. This was like actually fibrous plant material. You said that like you look, were looking very deeply. I like did. You were touching it? I did. I, I, I used tweezers and toothpicks. But I did examine it because I'm very <laughs> curious. I'm a curious-minded person. You are so weird. That is way too much free time. It's probably not the weirdest thing <laughs> that I've said in many of these videos. I remember that video where I'm like, and I've grown a bacterial culture or two in my day. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> God. Uh, let's see. Greedy Ghoul said, at first, your guys' content is dope. BTW, stay safe. Thank you, by the way. 
And we, think the, we think you're pretty dope, too. We do. And keep the podcast coming. Thank you very much, Greedy uh, Ghoul. We will. Uh, Harlequin, uh, by the way, great name, by the way. It's not grass, but it's textured like grass, right? It's partial throw up and impartial furball, so the end result is a mound of yellow, brown, green colored furry funk. I don't know. It When I was taking it apart, it really looks a lot like fibrous plant tissue, and it was flat like grass. I, mean, I guess I'm not that familiar with hairballs, so maybe I'm wrong, but I've, I've taken a few botany classes. This looked a lot like, like fibrous plant tissue, and I could be wrong. And Just as an update, guys, it hasn't happened again, but I'm watching for it. Yeah, thank you guys, by the way, for the amount of concern that you guys have with Vic's cat, by the way. Hey, this is a real mystery, and we're going to get it solved. I really don't like your cat. No, no, no. That's because you hiss at her. She has first. She, <laughs> she started it. And uh, and found, really weird coincidence, by the way, uh, that the next thing that somebody says from K Bennett two five eight seven says, first, I love your uh, work, guys. Keep it up. Thank you. Second, any chance you guys can investigate that one case of the clown-like man that took those boys? This is so freaky that someone named Harlequin commented right before K Bennett said that you guys can go on this web on this uh, uh, on this episode and see that this was posted like right after this guy posted this. I did not edit this. This just happened naturally. So as far as like the the case with the clown like person who sold the two kids, and that sounds like the Harlequin case. Yeah. But I want to I want to say that there might be some other ones. Uh, by the way. Kay Bennett, by the way, thank you, by the way. That means that you've been listening for a while, by the way, because that is a old case that we've talked about twice so far that's that's come up. We could definitely go into more detail on it, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. So an update on that. So I think what Kay Bennett's referencing is this, this case that we did, and we touched on it briefly on a couple episodes, where we were researching this clown-like entity called the Harlequin that it it um it there was a video that I was talking about so this case where this one boy I think it was like 9 was kidnapped and then his brother said that he said that he was going to come back for him a year later and a year later he ends up disappearing yeah and if you guys want to read more on this subject I know mysterious universe did some articles on this so you can just go on their site and uh do a site search for Harlequin and you should be able to pull up those articles yeah. I remember going back to try to find that video to look at it again and try to pull the threads on it and the weird part was was I've as I have not been able to find that uh, video in that case uh, about the Harlequin again I bet we do some digging. We can find something. Oh yeah, there. I think I think we can too. So that's a really good idea, Kay Bennett. So thank you for the suggestion on that. Okay, so we have dedicated a lot of time talking about your cat's bodily functions. Let's get into some. <laughs> let's get into some of the paranormal stuff for today. So uh, paranormal news. I've got a great one. Oh my god. So about a year ago, this mysterious case was solved in France. I was reading through some articles and I found that there was this weird mystery going back about 35 years in this coastal town in France where on the beach all of like all the time washing up on shore were these bits of this Garfield foam just what's a, a, what's a Garfield like foam? Garfield like, like from the cartoon Garfield wait like I hate Mondays <laughs> I love lasagna this plastic wall phone from the 1980s, this same model just 
there tons of them were just bits and pieces were washing up on the shore for 35 years and no one knew why. Wait, okay, let me cut up here real quick before you continue on. So there's a beach in France. Yes. Where plastic chunks of Garfield has been washing up for 30 years. Yes. Okay, please continue. Yes. And and no one could figure out why. No one could figure out why they, you know, nobody had found any boxes of anything just out of the water. There was all sorts of just weird theories surrounding this. Um, from like there was just some weird portal that was opening up from dimension and just trash was littering in. To there must have been just some barge out out there with these things just falling into the ocean. But just 35 years, it was washing up so much so that like the locals, there were just groups of them dedicated just going up and picking up just all of these Garfield pieces just flooding this beach. The funny one ends up happening is there's this old man that lives not too far nearby. And for 30 years, he's just been saying, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know where these parts are coming from. They're coming from this cave way out, way out of this cave they're coming from. And nobody believed him, by the way, until these group of, these group of guys just finally just decided to listen to him and got by this cave. And just, they were in the right place at the right time. And they found that uh, this tide had like made this uh, cave like they, they couldn't see it. So it's like it's like a hidden cave. It's below the waterline, yeah. except when the tide's down, and then you can get in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then they get in, and they found literally a box where a giant shipment of these things had just washed in, and they were just and now just the, these bits were just floating out of it just the whole time. Holy crud! So like it was <laughs> this had been going on for like thirty years. Five years. Like then about a year ago they figured it yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. It was just great. This reminds me of that. Um, story about that lady who kept saying oh i know where the chupacabras are coming from they're they're back behind my house in this stream and like she kept saying that eventually someone went out i think it was actually monster quest went out to check it out and there was this weird species of hybrid wolf coyotes that were being mistaken for chupacabras because they look so freaking weird and they have these really long fangs (laughs) moral of the story guys always listen to the crazy old person that's talking Oh, yeah, always. You will learn some stuff, I'm telling you. If nothing else, you'll have an interesting conversation. Absolutely. So we ready to get into uh, our stuff? Yes, yes. Let's get into the the scaly stuff for today. Okay, who's going first? You go first. Okay, okay. I have this awesome cryptid called the Vo. It's from Indonesia, and it's specific to an island called Rinka, if I'm saying any of these words right. First, this cryptid is a giant pangolin, and I never thought I'd get to talk about pangolins on this channel. I freaking love pangolins. Um, are you familiar with them? Hang on, I stroked off for a minute thinking that you're... I'm picturing a giant penguin right now. It is not at all a penguin. In my mind right now, everything about this thing, I'm picturing a giant penguin. Okay. Pangolin. <laughs> pangolin. Pangolin. <laughs> pangolin. Pangolin. Okay. For those of you who don't know what a pangolin is... Which is probably a lot. <laughs> It is my favorite mammal. It is a scaled mammal, and it has these giant, massive scales on them. And it has these big old digging claws. And, yeah, you might want to pull up a picture of one uh, because they're kind of hard to describe. Some people call them scaly anteaters because they have an anteater-like tongue. But most of them are about four feet long. They're really endangered. only live in a few places in the world. But in this island, they're describing a pangolin that's bigger than a horse and even though like the thing looks pretty scary and pretty intimidating with its massive claws and things like that 
they're not really afraid of it because it never really bothers them, which makes sense because pangolins are like specifically, um, oh god, insectivores. I almost forgot the word for it. So do, do you find a picture of one? This both this both looks and sounds like a D and D monster. No, it kind of looks like a dragon, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. This it's like is a dragon without wings. God, this is weird. It has kind of almost like a, a seahorse-like mouth to it too, and uh, they've been reporting seeing it for a really long time. But they say it lives off in the mountains. They don't see it very often. They're not really that worried about it. So this is a real thing. You're just not, or is this like a mythological creature? The pangolin? Yeah. Pangolins are real. This pangolin's bigger than a horse. They're saying that it's at least eight feet long, which is huge for a pangolin. Pangolins are normally like four feet long. Okay, so you're telling me there really is a creature out there that is a four-foot scaled mammal anteater thing? Yeah, yeah. If... Look up a picture of them, guys, and can we throw a picture in, like, the yeah, show I'll put, notes I'll put, and stuff? I'll put a picture in the show notes, because most people aren't going to believe me that this is a real thing. Yeah, well, you look at it and you think this is not a real creature. It kind of looks more like a Pokemon that somehow became real. <laughs> but they're they're really freaking neat. But they're describing a 8-foot-long one that's bigger than a horse that's just kind of wandering around on their island in the isolated areas. What would eat this thing? Oh, nothing. Penguins don't have any natural predators, even so, the small ones. Yeah, so maybe it's just like a catfish or a goldfish where they just grow to the size of their enclosure. They don't. That is not how mammals work. Are you sure that's not how... If there's an eight-foot out one, I want to know what's the other reason that it could be this big. Marcus, go go outside and see if you grow to the size of your enclosure. I can't go outside. Our governor says we can't. <laughs> God damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no... They are real. They're awesome. But okay. But now imagine, assuming you guys all have a good picture of this in your head, a eight foot long one just lumbering around in the mountains. I'd ride it. I'm no. You have to get a D and D party together to kill this thing. You don't have to. They're they're peaceful. This sounds like the beginnings of like a sci fi movie, like like straight to TV movie. This thing is cool looking. I mean, don't get me wrong. Okay. But here's here's the cool twist to it. Um, this might make way more sense than anyone's giving it credit to credit for, because on the nearby island of Borneo, massive pangolin fossils have been found. So they know in one of the islands nearby, at one point in time, there were ancient large pangolins that lived in that area, and it's and they only really went extinct within the last thousand years or so. So it's totally possible that a species could have survived on one of these islands. And one of the things that islands do to creatures, they really affect size of species that live on that island. Many of them will become either abnormally small or abnormally large. I think that this is like extremely viable, that this could be a legitimate real cryptid. I know that there are a lot of like ancient, like larger versions of creatures like in the fossil records, like the giant sloth is a thing. There's even bigger, you know, alligators and sharks that are out that are out there and things like that that we know that that's out, that that's out there. So it really does make sense that there could be just an even giant like ancient like uh, pendulum thing that's out there. So we we could be seeing something that could be just some sort of leftover big one. I mean, I mean it's way more likely for something like this to be true than say a dinosaur surviving from the from the Jurassic era. Like, something disappearing from our knowledge for about a thousand years is way more likely. And I, I tend to be a believer in some of the, like, Mowgli Mimbe stories, too, and stuff like that. Well, but I, I think you, this one's just so plausible. I want someone to go out there and start looking into this. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of times people are still surprised that we're still finding 
large creatures that are out there that we that we may not have known that were that were out there. Like you know, so it, it's not unbelievable that there's in, in these remote areas out there just creatures that are larger than what we th you know than what we think. I mean, there's a guide release every year of new species discovered, and yeah, there's not a big mammal in it every year, but. They pop up in there more often than you than you'd think, and you'd be surprised at how many species we discover like just literally every year. Oh my gosh, I'm just thinking ancient man riding large penguin. It's pe not pen it's not hard. Pangolin. Pang pangolin. Say pang. Pang. Say go. Go. Say lin. Lin. String them together. Pangolin. There you go, pangolin. Okay, that was a lot hotter than it had been. They're awesome. Okay, I, that's so cool. You know, I'm. You know, and I'm always one too for, for loving the th like you know the hollow earth theory too that there's like these like biomes that are underground that like creatures sometimes crawl out of. Sometimes I mean we were talking about this before you know Godzilla. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> you know came out. So like we talked about this on uh what was the Mount Vernon visitor? No, yeah, that's yeah. not right. Oh Van, yeah. Van Meter Monster. The Van there Meter, we go. Yeah, the Van Meter Monster. Yeah, and there were stories about like um mammoths living around like entrances to the hollow earth and things mm -hmm. like that. I I'm not a big hollow earth believer. I would say it's in the less likely realm. I like talking about it though. But maybe megafauna could could exist in an area like that. So you just think it's more likely that this thing is just living just out and we're just out there and we're just not able to find it because we're uh, not running into it? People are saying that they don't see them very often and they live in like some of the areas where people don't really live. And the thing is, it could survive on an island. I and mean, this thing just, all it really needs is colonies of insects. And pangolins are really good at eating colonies of insects because they need out a whole hive. They have these long tongues that will actually trace through entirely through a hive network, just snatching up everything in there. Um, so it, it would definitely have access to food and if it stays elusive, stay away from, uh, from people and people don't have a reason to go out and hunt it. It's not, okay. You, you saw how many scales that thing had. It's not worth killing it for food. No, it's, it's, it's not. So if it doesn't cause you any trouble, there's no point in going out and harming it. I think it's probably just coexisted with how people. Have, I, have we never seen one of these at zoos? A pangolin? Uh, yeah. They're very rare nowadays. Uh, I believe some zoos do have pangolins, but they're pretty endangered. If I remember right, um, like their scales are prized by uh, trophy hunters and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's terrible. And the thing is, like, they don't have any real resistance to guns and their defense is to curl into a spiky ball of scales. <laughs> Which is great for keeping things from biting you, but not good to keep be, keep things from shooting, shooting you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Since they don't have a good defense for, against people. That's true. But, like, if it's that big and it does look kind of scary and it's not really causing any harm for people to go out and, like, right. intentionally hunt it, it right. probably just lived out there. So what you got? Is it better than a giant pangolin? I think that it's better than a giant pangolin. Nothing. Maybe not, not, not the word peng, penguin. Pangolin. Peng, Nothing's penguin. better than a giant pangolin. I want to okay. ride one and I make do, it my best I do friend. Too. I do, too. In our next D&D &D game, I want to have a pangolin as a mount. <laughs> Ah, me first. No, me me first. Okay, um, so I found a really cool one. So I was trying to find some sort of um like scaly, like humanoid cryptid and cause because they're really cool and I don't think enough I don't think enough people in the community talk about lizard men sightings. And I just, they're some of my favorite uh, just cryptid and monster stories to come up with. So uh, I found a good one to talk about for today's episode. So 
and uh, it was the winter of 1984. And we are in Honey Grove, Texas, which is kind of like northern Texas, almost to Oklahoma, but most of the Texans there still feel safe. <laughs> and so in this very, very small town of Honey Grove, Texas, there's about 1,700 people in this small town. And this uh, it's real late at night, and this woman uh, is her name Kelly is the witness, and and she gets woken up because her dog starts barking fanatically at something outside. Something is freaking her large dog out, and she wakes up and she looks outside, and there's a street light across the street from her house, and she looks right outside, and there is this seven foot tall gray reptile creature walking on two legs, this lizard man with a tail long, like strung behind it, walking through the light. And it just stops, looks at her, and then just goes back to its business and walks away. Huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you guys want to look at it, it's Lizard Man of Honey Grove, Texas. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing to look into. Most people... Most people are that are into this are, are familiar with like the uh, the lizard man escape or swamp like in West Virginia. Yeah, and we've done a video. on Yeah, that which one. we did, which we did a video, which we did a video on him, which is a cool video. If you guys want to go check out another cool lizard man story, um, in that particular story, that lizard man story, uh, it was very aggressive to the witness, and it was like slashing up like cars, uh, the uh, it, like the cars and all that in the area. Uh, the one that was in this Texas just was just looking at the lady and just keeps walking about its own business. That's interesting that it's gray. It almost made me wonder, like, is this thing, like, sick? Like, because I don't know a lot of, like, gray crocodiles uh, or alligators. There are some that can be grayish. There's a, there's more lizards that are gray than there are crocodiles that are gray because um, it's just not that effective of a strategy because, like, they want to hide and make people think they're logs and stuff like that. Mm. But when you're hiding on the side of a bank, there's nothing, like, gray to camouflage yourself as. I actually am wondering, could this be an albino? It could be. And maybe just, like, with the light, like, it just comes across looking gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be more inclined to believe that, like it's a, like under like a dirty lamp or something like, like that. Like there are gray lizards. It's just it's not that common of a of a lizard color, and and maybe this is something that's out there more often in that area. It's just this one only got caught because it's an albino. The, the reason why I picked this story was because it's very um, the other like it's very opposite of what a lot of lizard men sightings are. A lot of lizard men sightings. They're very aggressive creatures. They're very hostile. Or they're very devious and plotting. And this one is just walking and minding its own business. I mean, it makes sense for this one to be the one that gets caught. I mean, have I ever told you the story um, about the me seeing that albino my, mouse and then realizing what all was all around me? No. Okay. Do you remember that really cruddy apartment I hated that I moved into right after college? Yes. Okay. I was out back one night, and I'm just kind of looking around, catching a moment to myself, smoking a cigarette. And I look out, and I'm in the area in between the apartment complex, and these things were super cheap. And I see this little white thing moving out there in the darkness. And I train my eye on just trying to figure out what it is, and I realize, oh, there's this little albino mouse out there running around in this area in between the apartments. And then I'm like, kind of looks like everything's moving, though. And I realize there's just a swarm of mice out there. And the only one I could, I was able to see in the darkness 
was the albino one. Oh. That was gross. I did not stay in that apartment long. That was just so nasty. Uh, man, I really hope this lady just wasn't seeing a horde of these things walking across the street. <laughs> the only one that caught her eye was the albino seven-foot-tall lizard man. Well, my other thought is this. It's, it sounds like it's not really trying to stay elusive. It's hanging out, like, right underneath a... Like it um, doesn't even care. I mean, maybe not. Yeah. Like, you know, it's so... Another reason why I'm putting this up is I think not a lot of witnesses realize how lucky they are to probably be getting away from some of these large cryptid sightings. I mean, a seven-foot-tall lizard, can you imagine what that thing could do if it turned around and decided that it wanted to go after her? Oh, it could tear her up. Yeah, I know. Like, like nothing, Like it's not going to And a lizard person probably is resistant to bullets. Well, probably a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, man. Mm. An another thought is, aren't there, like, a lot of legends about underground lizard people? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. like, There's, like, like, especially, like, in the Los Angeles area, this is pretty, very, very big around there. A lot of people speculate that, like, there's these underground tunnels of lizard people that just are forming this massive tunnel system all over the Los Angeles. And it, some people even say that it expands all over the world, all over the U.S., they're responsible for what's under Denver International Airport, whatever, what have you. I mean, the other possibility is maybe it doesn't have any pigment because it lives underground. Yeah, I think so too. I think a lot of people, when they think about lizards, like, why would you need to be green living underground? But the thing is, like, underground is just not a great place for reptiles. Like, well, above ground would probably get them shot. Well, I mean, I'm just talking about <laughs> reptiles in general. Like, I, maybe these guys have adapted to dealing with. Maybe they have another answer for how to warm up their bodies besides using sunlight, which makes sense. They, they have, they have opposable thumbs. There's a good chance they've mastered fire and can probably just use that to warm their bodies. Mm -hmm. But is underground a good place for fires? <laughs> no, it's not a good place for fires. <laughs> okay, they, they probably have some sort of answer, but I'm just trying to figure out why it'd be be such a pale color if it besides it just being albino. It could just be sick. Oh yeah, that, that's true. Don't uh, don't reptiles molt? Uh, kind of become a multicolor when it's sick, mm -hmm. and that would explain why it's kind of wandered closer to a civilization. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was as aggressive as the one from Skateboard. Mm -hmm. Like naturally, I obviously it left this witness be, but like if we're assuming it's sick, maybe it was just too lethargic to go after. It could be, or it could have been just doing something, or it may not be very smart. I don't know. You know, it's 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 weird. You know, the thing about lizard people, the, about lizard people sightings, is they run the gambit on how intelligent some people think that lizard people are. I mean, you get like stuff like Scape or Swamp, uh, Honey Grove, Texas, where there are things that are just doing very basic functions. They're either just being aggressive or they're just milling about, minding their own business, all the way up to making a giant tunnel system to people thinking they're trying to you know they're the Illuminati running the world I mean, we just don't really have a real solid cross section of information when it comes to lizard men um, there's just only a handful of sightings on them I really wish there were more because I find them really neat and I like to kind of puzzle them out I do too like if you you know if you think about like the different like the, the, the different types of animal people that are out there you have Bigfoot that are just literally just out in the woods minding their own business, not doing anything. You have Mothman, people that are showing up to, like, maybe foretell, uh, you know, foretell stuff, and they're just flying around. Lizard people 
are theorized to possibly be trying to take over the world. I mean, they're talking about some very, like, high-functioning, like, brain power here. Some, like, Do you high, think we can use, like, lizard people and reptilians just straight up synonymously, though? That's the question. That is the question. That is the question to be asked. You know, like are lizard people and reptilians possibly a similar thing? I, you know, I don't know. I've always found okay. I've always found the reptilian theory to be very neat, and I even spent uh, back when I was in school. The when I'd be off school, I'd spend my summer just picking one random subject in the paranormal and just studying it all summer. And I did that for reptilians, and it was a really fascinating summer and. The thing is, though, some of the some of the people who focus on it are just straight up loopy. Now there <laughs> there are some really legitimate research researchers who are interested in the reptilian theory, but you also run into like some really 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 weird ones. Like I remember there's a lady I was watching a video and she's talking about you can pick up the communications of reptilians if you go into a graveyard at night with a tape recorder, record EVPs, then play the EVPs backwards. You could hear that that you could hear the reptilians talking. And there's that guy who is like, I'm I'm the rep I'm the reptilian slayer. He's like and he was I remember that guy and he was talking about like having one walking up to him at a top hat saying we like we've been watching you and he for some reason he was talking with a British accent. And he's like, and I'll slay you, reptilian <laughs> I'm like that. That's just not even how people talk, man. And that's just a weird it's, story. Oh god, it's so. It's a, but again, you, you you just get that just with lizard people sightings. This huge, just giant, just field of different types of reports. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. There are there are good reptilian sightings out there. There are great researchers when it comes to reptilians. Do you have an opinion on David Ike? I mean, I would. You're, I'm assuming you're familiar with. Yeah, him, right? yeah, I know David. Like, I'm willing to. I'm I'm willing to to just I'm willing to humor the theory. I think it's a fantastic theory. I think it's okay. I think at the same time he could also just be trying to cash in possibly on some really good writing. If somebody if that's that's what it turned out to be, I'd believe it. Like sometimes, like I haven't watched all of his stuff, but sometimes when like I listen to him talk, I'll be like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. And other times I'm like. I don't know, David. I, I I don't know. This is getting pretty weird. Now, I will I will say this. I think when it comes to stuff like in the paranormal, especially when it comes to conspiracy theories, um, like like talking about David Icke, and you know they're like, oh, the reason why all of these things are happening is there's this external force, aliens, reptilians, what have you, that are that are doing things. I think the reason about why people are willing to accept this. Is I think that there are some people that don't want to believe that humanity is willing to do some of the things that's going on. I think in the back of their minds, I think sometimes they want to. I think some people do want to create this sort of external belief. Now, I'm not saying that's what the reptilians are. I'm not saying that's what aliens are or anything in that context. I'm just thinking. I think that for some people, I think that's why they're willing to believe this or push some of these stories. Yeah, but a lot of them are pretty. A lot of the stories that come up are pretty interesting, as far as like the reptilian world government and stuff, and right. like the the cannibalism cults, mm -hmm. and like it, it goes way beyond just their shape shifting reptiles. And it's weird to say it goes beyond just them just, being just, just yeah. that. I know. Yeah, yeah they're just yeah. shape shifting reptiles. Bloody people. Yeah, whatever. There's like weird stories involving like black magic and ritual sacrifice and. 
Like, I know they're supposed to be, and keep in mind, I'm not an expert on the reptilian thing, but I know that they're supposed to have infiltrated at least the British royal family and the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And that, like, the queen, like, sheds her skin and turns into some sort of horrific lizard monster. And, like, every single U.S. president can trace their lineage back to some sort of reptilian king. Although, can't most of the U.S. presidents, with the exception of only, like, I think two of them trace themselves back to, like, the same person? Yeah. Do you remember who the exception Martin Van Buren, I think, was the exception. I think Martin Van Buren was the only exception to, like, every U.S. president can trace their lineage back to, like, just, like, a, a small handful of people. Do you know, uh, do you know who the, who the common ancestor is? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. But again, but I think a lot of us are also, like, not that far removed from, like, Genghis Khan or Cleopatra. Oh, there's a reason we're all, so many of us are related to (laughs) Genghis Khan. The guy, the guy got around. Right. (laughs) Did you have any more on the Lizardmen stuff? Mm, Yeah, they are. Man, they are. I know you're wanting to push some of this discussion to later on I, in the I show, do, but I'm thinking I we just do. have it. We now. we have beat these we have beat these guys to death uh, and, and and entertained and entertained this theory for a while. Yeah, I think that we can move on to the other thing that you had for today. Okay, guys. So if you're from Iowa, get ready to hear something about your state that you might not already know. So, Marcus. Yes. Have you ever heard of the Iowa Dragons? Uh, I haven't, wait, is that like a really cool, like, biker gang? No, but apparently it's a sports team, too, but that's not what we're talking about. Okay. No, there have been sightings of dragon-like creatures in Iowa, and it goes all the way back to 1887. There's dragon sightings in Iowa. Yeah, effectively. Let's clarify a little bit. They're called Iowa Dragons, but when you break down the description, they don't really look like what you think when you think of dragons. Most people, when they hear the word dragon, they think about the traditional western dragon, you know, four legs, wings. This is more like a, a winged serpent. It's described as having a long serpentine body, 15 foot uh, wingspan bat wings, um, bright shiny scales that are usually green or brown, and a head similar to either a crocodile or a seahorse. So, they're seeing Rayquaza from Pokemon? No, no, this has wings. Okay, okay. It, it's more like a, it's almost like they're describing a quaddle. Okay. Like, which is really kind of neat, because that has nothing to do with Iowa. (laughs) But okay, so people are periodically seeing what are effectively, based on the description, giant snakes with massive bat wings capable of flight. And when they describe them as flying, they say it it looks like they're slithering through the air, kind of pulling themselves along on uh, on their bat wings. Dude, how have I never heard of this? I love stories involving dragons. These are so cool. Yeah, well, there's, there's not a lot of reports about them. Basically, there's a few that are really, really old, and then they'll come up with a story every once in a while, and then there's a handful of them from modern times. But it's not something that there's like this huge wealth of information on. Like for the most part, a lot of the older ones are just articles in um, newspapers being like, hey, I, I saw this thing, it looked like a giant snake with bat wings. I swear that it was real. Uh, most of them are kind of spotted in the south um, southeastern portion of Iowa, okay. uh, kind of near the town of uh, Burlington. Mm-hmm. At least uh, one of the major um, reports that we have nowadays is from Burlington. 
And how big did you say these things were? You say 15 feet? I've never found a good record of a estimated length on them, but the wingspan were, rest were estimated to be about 15 feet. Okay. Like, you would think that if you saw stuff like that, there'd be, like, massive amounts of missing cows there. It's interesting that you bring that up, because one person who um, who's given a report says that every so often, like, they, they see these every once in a while. And it's always just real fleeting that they see them. And a lot of times their cows go missing around the same time that they that they see them. Okay, that's a that's a really good explanation <laughs> for why these things go like like for why like how these things could exist. And another person um, mentioned that they usually seem to show up around harvest time. And I want to say that that was part of the old European dragon folklore of them showing up around the time of harvest mm. to like come and take their portion. It's like. It's like they're coming around the they're coming around the harvest time. It's time for me. It's time you know. It's time for you to give me uh, my tithing. My uh, like you know time for time time for you to pay up uh, my yeah, tribute. Yeah. I want to say that that was part of the old draconic folklore of Europe. But these things, like I said, they they don't really look like that. They look more like just winged serpents. But uh, another person reports seeing the one at night. They were out um, night fishing with their grandfather, and they kept kind of catching glimpses of something circling around. Eventually they caught it in an angle where they could get a look at it, and it was just this huge winged serpent-like creature. The thing is, you have to... You'd have to have an underground biome for that thing to live in. There's absolutely no way that something that big could hide anywhere in Iowa, I think. Yeah, and it's that's totally, the... I was totally flat, so... That's, that's the mind-blowing thing about this, is... Iowa is one of the weirdest locations for this sort of thing to pop up. Actually, I, I'm not convinced it's an underground biome. Maybe they're migratory. It seems like they might be nocturnal. If they're migratory, flying, and moving only at night. Well, you know, now that you say it, now think about it. You know how I said every single uh, U.S. president can trace their lineage back to the same person's theorized that it's this, uh, you know, this lizard person gene pool. Maybe that's the reason why uh, all of our uh, all primaries always start in Iowa, because of dragons. Yeah, because they said so. <laughs> I would be maybe it's their gene pool. First, there's no accounts here of one of them talking. And first off, you don't have to talk to procreate. <laughs> that is not a requirement. I'm just saying. Yeah, but how do they get the message that oh, we want our caucuses held here? Uh, they write it out. I don't know. Okay. They stop, They flap their wings. I'm also very curious about this description of the head being like either crocodilian or seahorse. That almost makes me think of, are, are you familiar with caimans? Mm-mm. Um, oh, wait, wait, those are like, wait, those are crocodile. Those are type of, or no, alligator. Uh, well, it, it's kind of, uh, it's in the it's in the crocodilian family with crocodiles and alligators, but it has its own unique mouth shape. Mm. They're the ones with the really thin mouths. Mm. So that almost makes me think it... If I was going to say there's something in between a crocodile head and a seahorse head, I would point at a caiman and say, that's probably what we're talking about. And the area where it's often sighted is near a river, and caiman heads are very specialized for catching fish. Uh, they have this very distinct look to them. I think we've even talked about caimans on this channel before. So, at least from that, we can probably assume it's likely a fisher. But beyond that... I'm with you. I don't get how these things could stay very elusive unless they're very dedicated to being nocturnal and are very good at keeping away from people. No, 
I'm telling you, that's you'd have to have an underground biome for these things to live in. There's just no way that these things could be out there. Something that big for that long and they just go unnoticed for that long. I don't know. I'm just not ready to say they're for Hollow Earth. Maybe not entirely the Hollow Earth, but there's something underground at least. Maybe they're hibernating. You know, you know, maybe they bur- maybe they burrow and they and they go to sleep. You know, the, you know, we talked about in one of our previous episodes, there's been numerous accounts of people finding lizards in just inside trees or inside rocks. You know, leading people to think that there's just this weird ability that lizards have or stuff like to hibernate and just live without oxygen or food for a very long time there's there's a word for it and i'm kicking myself for not knowing it (coughs) it's related to frogs where it allows them to hibernate for really really long periods of time it's Um, a it's a really there's numerous reports of these things of of just these these lizards and these just living inside just solid rock and then people just opening it up and they just like pop out and there was no way for these things to have just been recently trapped in there okay assuming that this story is true okay and riding along with your theory i guess maybe if they're finding good solid well-hidden burrows hibernating for long periods of time waking up for short periods of time to go feed and gather up presumably fish based on our assumptions on the mouth structure and then returning back to their hibernation I guess that could make some sense. And also, it kind of jives well with, like, stories of dragons going off and isolating or uh, sleeping for really long periods of time. Like, especially in, like, so the old Norse tales. Mm-hmm. There's stories of dragons just sleeping for huge periods of time. If I remember right, like, in Beowulf. Like, I think the dragon in Beowulf hadn't woken up in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. It was just hanging out, sleeping on his horde, and it was just having to stay there until someone came in and took some. You know, many of these dragons that live down in Iowa just got, like just poke their head up, look at the political system right now with humanity, and go, "No, I'm gonna go back to sleep." Then they sleep for a while, then spike up and go, eh, "Still not good." Five more minutes, and then they hit their snooze button, and oh, they just keep moving. Although I find this story incredibly fascinating. I have a really hard time thinking that this one is true. I, even though we have a long history stretching over a vast period of time, which is usually a big aid to the credibility for it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's just so hard to believe that it could remain elusive in a place like Iowa, especially like since some of the things are around large towns. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I really I want this one to be true. Uh, well, what's your thoughts? I think. You know, I've always said there has to be some sort of, like, intelligence behind a lot of these, like, cryptids um, to to be able to stay away from humanity, you know, if they're wanting to be hidden. So, you know, if, if there are dragons living in Iowa around, you know, large portions of people, but also keep in mind where people tend to gather a lot in the harvest time, mm-hmm. I just... I'd have a hard time believing that could go unnoticed. I really do. Okay, I got I got a theory. Maybe in that area of Iowa, there's like one of those uh, one of those doorway areas where things strange things seem to slip through. Maybe there there's a doorway to Dragon Dimension where the dragons are and they come out every so often. That's your solution to everything. There's a there's a <laughs> there's a there's a dimension and a portal 
to this dimension that has that specific thing. <laughs> okay, what I'm doing at this point is, I, I would say I think this one's one of those less likely cases, but I want to give it, I want to give it every possible chance for us to consider could it be a thing, and that's, and when you're getting that absurd, yeah, it's, well, it's a little laughable. You know, you know what? With the number of people that go missing and you know that are never found. You never know. You know, if there's these portals that lead to places that things come through, there could be portals then that lead to places and that's why people don't come back. There's numerous reports of people just disappearing and even even in plain sight. I'm not willing I'm not ready to say that it's straight up this is not possibly to be true or not a possibility to be true, but it's a little bit of a stretch even for me and I can believe a lot of stuff. It's pro- now if that's the case, it's probably not accidental. Something that big probably know these things exist, and they're able to slip through and come back without being seen. Like Giant Pangolin, I'm willing to say very likely to be real. This one, I don't know, Iowa. I don't know about your dragon. I, I want to believe that Iowa has dragons. I really do, because we're not that far from Iowa. Yeah. And I would love to see these, maybe catch one, ride it or something. I don't know. Try least, to talk to it, see if it'll talk back, grant wishes. At least confirm that it has a caiman-like jaw. <laughs> uh, I want to at least go that far. Like, like believe, ask it if there, if it's hidden in seven magic rocks all over the world. If we find them, it'll grant us a magic wish. Oh, goodness. But this one's just a stretch. But I really wanted to share, share it with you guys because I, I had vaguely heard stories about it. Interestingly enough, there's... I, I tried to look this up, but I can't find my copy of Indiana Monsters. I lent it to someone, and I can't remember who I lent it to. But this is very similar to a story from hearing from Indiana from the 1800s, where someone around harvest time spotted, like, a dragon. But he the one he spotted, he actually said it breathed fire and stuff, if I remember right. But I can't confirm it because I lent my copy of that book out. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself for that one. I need to order a new copy. Also, Indiana Monsters, great book if you want to catch up on some of the um, cryptid folklore of Indiana. There's some really cool mm-hmm. stuff in there. Yes, there is. You know, the fact that, you know, the Midwest is home to dragon's hunting is kind of cool. And mermaids. And mermaids. And a lot of other weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get around to talking about all of them one day. But for today, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So let's keep the scaly ball rolling into our uh, pillow talk segment, and let's talk about giant ancient worms. worms. Oh, yeah, cool. So the, we wanted to find something really weird and interesting that like we we haven't really heard a lot about, and I think we found something really good with these giant worms from the UK. From Magic: The Gathering to the most ancient of Norse stories, there are tales of these giant scaled worms. You can find them in English myth, you can find them in French myth, you can find them in Norse myth, pretty much all throughout Europe, and you can find them speckled around like uh, myths of them in China, Japan, there are Russian stories, uh, there's some South American stories on them, there are North American legends, but it seems like almost everywhere in the world they has these stories of these vast, massive, scaly, usually subterranean like somewhere between a worm and a snake-like creature. And it's never good when you see them. It's always bad, usually. <laughs> like, it doesn't end well for the average person that comes across one of these giant creatures. Especially if you come across a Jorgenmonder. 
Jorgenmonder. Jo- Jorgenmonder. Jorgenmonder. Actually, it might be Jorgenmonder. I've been told I say it wrong. Was I accidentally saying it? I wrong? think wow. you might have been I, saying wow, it right. Wow, I was I was accidentally saying it right. So when, when I talk about Jorgenmonder, Jorgenmonder, I, I am often told I mispronounce it. But it's the great world serpent from Norse mythology. Are you familiar with it? Oh yeah, it's supposed to be signal like he's supposed to what defeat Thor, like signaling like the end of the world. Yeah, he's uh. He lives underneath the world tree and at the time of Ragnarok he's going to